G'day and welcome to the Dads of the NICU podcast. My name is Matt Bilkowski and I'm a proud father of two premature babies. My daughter Lara born at 25 weeks in November 2019 and my son Cooper born at 26 weeks in February 2022, both of which staying at the NICU at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital in Australia. I started this podcast in early 2020 to share my stories and feelings I've developed over my time in the NICU and I seek to connect with other dads during their journey. My goal for the podcast is to create an open forum where dads can listen, learn, reflect, relate and share in a healthy and safe place. So sit back and enjoy your journey through the NICU. Well, hello everyone. And firstly, my sincere apologies for the near two-year gap between the episodes. I was really getting stuck into creating all the episodes and I was really enjoying interviewing the dads and just sharing my feelings and recollections of my time in the NICU. But COVID hit and then my work commitments went through the roof. So in between juggling a recently homebound NICU baby and a crazy work schedule, I just felt I had no spare time or mental capacity to continue the podcast. I'd always wanted to get back into recording episodes of the past few years, but I'd always found an excuse not to. Even with the loss of our second child in 2021, which is a story for another episode, I just still couldn't muster up the time, confidence, or the courage to get back onto the mic. But as fate would have it, we've recently commenced our second NICU journey in February 2022, so I thought there wasn't going to be a better opportunity or reason to get back onto the microphone. As I look back at the last two years, I think everyone can agree that these two years have been like no other, and everyone has been impacted by COVID in so many different ways. It's had absolutely devastating effects on our lives, on our loved ones, as well as the economy and our general way of life. One of the sad elements for us was that Lara didn't get to spend much time with her extended family and we didn't have the support network that we would love to have had because they were all stuck down south in Sydney due to their lockdowns. It was almost two years where she didn't see half of our family, which is really hard to deal with. COVID did, however, have an interesting aspect to it for our family in the way that I was actually forced to work from home for two years straight, which meant that I was able to witness and share in Lara's developments every single day. I was very lucky that I was able to see her play and see her develop and be a part of her life each and every day for the full day, as opposed to having to get up early, commute to work, spend all day at work not seeing her, and then commute home and really only have one to two hours with her per day. Due to COVID, we were together 24-7. So how did Lara go at home over the past two years? Well, as you may recall, we brought Lara home from hospital after 98 days in the NICU. She was on 24-7 oxygen for the first four months and then nighttime oxygen for the next two months. She was then in the clear and we no longer had to plan ahead for our trips to consider how much was left in the tanks or to keep tripping over those cords that were all over our house. The day she came off oxygen was the best day ever and such a weight off all of our shoulders. We were given two large tanks that had enough oxygen for seven days each and three little tanks that had enough for 24 hours. And it was self-regulated, so when we needed them, we just put an order in, and the next day they were there, and we could just swap them over. As our house was split level, Lara's room was up on the top floor, so I had one of the big tanks upstairs for when she slept, and one big tank downstairs for just general house play. These things weighed about 40 or 50 kilos, so lugging them up and down the stairs each week was not fun when we had to swap them all over, especially when our unit's on the third floor and there's no lift in our complex. The little tanks weren't so bad, however, because they gave us a little backpack that everywhere we went, I could just chuck it on my back or put the tanks in the bottom of the pram where we could go for walks or go to the cafe. It was actually really interesting to see how people just stare at her and stare at us because it was so weird to see a baby so small on oxygen. It was a bit unknown and uncommon. 
Most of the time, we're pretty good at planning ahead. We ensured that we had enough oxygen for where we were going and for how long we were going to be out. But there was probably only one or two occasions where we realised halfway that we might not have enough for a comfortable buffer, so we had to turn around and come home. Whenever we went away for more than one night, the large tanks were just far too big and we didn't really want to be driving around with a 50 kilo dead weight rolling around in the boot. So we just had to make the most of our small little tanks, which only gave us probably one to two days away at most every time. It wasn't too bad, however, during this time because it was peak COVID in Australia. So we weren't actually going around that much and we didn't want to make a habit of being out in public with Lara's lung disease. So moving on to her development, every day and every week and every month that she was at home, it actually felt like she was developing in leaps and bounds. You could see it day in, day out that something was new, something was changing. She'd smile more, she was happier, she was talking more, she was laughing more. Everything she did was more, more, more. Her language was really advancing, but it wasn't until probably her first birthday when her first tooth popped out. So that was a bit of a sleepless night for everyone. But her crawling was getting better and she was leading into stumbling and then that magical moment for both Jess and I when we saw her take her first steps and we had it on camera and we'll never forget it. It was such an amazing feeling. She was slowly but surely getting back on track with her growth and she was getting back on all the growth charts. So we were really happy with her development. Over time, she was fully discharged from all forms of specialist care and with flying colours and they were so impressed at how she was developing and it made us so excited and so proud to see how far she'd come. She absolutely loves being outdoors. She loves drawing and she loves dancing so much. She loves Queen. It's her favourite. And she loves laughing and she loves making people laugh. She's just full of beans the whole time. She has such an inquisitive mind and she's always asking about things and always wanting to play. She had such an amazing personality and every day you can see that she's developing. Strangely enough, one of the things that occurred the most when we were out and about is that people would just continue with comments about, oh, she's so cute. How old is she? She's so small. And I'd say, oh, you know, she's nearly two. And they'd reply, oh, bless, she's just so cute and small. But it was actually, I probably wouldn't go into the detail of what was going on if I didn't feel like it. I'd just say, yeah, yeah, she is. And I'd just walk away. But sometimes I actually took the effort to explain the process. And people were really interested to know. And then that actually follow up to see how she was going every time you saw them. People were actually just so shocked that a 25-weeker could look so good and look so healthy and just be full of life. And who knew she had a lung disease with the bloody lungs that she's got on her? You can hear her from a mile away. We are so fortunate with Lara's growth and development over the years that she never really had any complications or issues. She was a champion sleeper, which we're absolutely blessed for. But we were really up at night, probably past her first birthday. She was really sleeping through the night, 12, 11 hours a day, which is fantastic. She slept in our room downstairs for probably the first 11 months, and then she had a very own room with a big girl cot and even her big girl ensuite. She was very spoiled. I can actually still remember vividly the first night that we slept downstairs and she slept upstairs by herself. She'd probably only been in the cot by herself for about 15 minutes, and I heard a loud thump, and I shot out of bed, I raced through the living room, bounced off the front door, shot up the stairs and barreled into her room, thinking that somehow she'd climbed out of the cot and fallen over, but... It didn't cross my mind that she's so tiny that it would not even be possible. As I ran into her room, I was greeted with a very confused Lara, just looking at me thinking, what are you doing, mate? I've just dropped my bottle. I don't actually know what came over me. It was just, it felt like an instinct that I just had to get there as soon as possible. Something just kicked into gear and I was up and about. I picked her up, I gave her a cuddle, I tried to shush her down, but I think she was actually the one trying to comfort me because my heart was racing more than hers. At least it was one of those moments where we can always look back on and have a good laugh at it. 
Over the years, we actually went on a couple of trips. Once the lockdowns have been released, we went on planes, we went for big drives, we went on buses, we went on trains, and she absolutely loves trains at the moment. We took it to the beach, we started swimming lessons, went to the playground as much as we could, and just were outdoors as much as we could, and she just absolutely loves it. She can't get enough of it. Wherever she goes, whatever she does, whenever she does it, it's always 100%. She's so full of life and energy, it's actually hard to keep up with her pace sometimes. We were actually able to put her into daycare after about 20 months. The specialist strongly advised us that due to her lung disease and being a preemie, that if we could hold off as long as possible, it would just give her the best development opportunity instead of being always sick with something from daycare. If she could avoid the illnesses or the respiratory infections and generally hang around with other sick kids, it would give her the best shot in her development over the first critical two years. We went through a number of centres around the areas and in the vicinity of our place, and we settled on one just around the corner. It's absolutely amazing. The staff are so fantastic and so generous with their time and with her. We toured a number of centres that were in the vicinity of our house and we settled on one that she liked and we liked. The centre was amazing. The staff are absolutely fantastic and they're just so generous with their time and generous with her. We initially started on two days a week and then bumped it up to three for most of 2021. And then as Jess's pregnancy was extending with Cooper, we managed to put her up into full-time care. In the initial stages, the drop-offs were gut-wrenching, absolutely terrible for us. It was just felt like we were just deserting her. It was because it was, was so used to being at home full-time with each other that it was foreign for her to leave us and foreign for us to leave her anywhere without us being there. The first day we left her there, she absolutely lost the plot. And it was really hard to walk away from it when she was just screaming at our names and just bawling her eyes out. When we went back and picked her up in that afternoon... Her reaction was like she hadn't seen us in years and we'd absolutely deserted her. And the next few days were pretty much similar, but it took a couple of weeks. And then, you know, she just gets out of the car, walks in there, doesn't even wave goodbye. So, you know, she's comfortable. She's got a nice little clique of friends that she's going around with now and commanding and ordering the troops. And she has the staff absolutely wrapped around her finger. She actually managed to be sent home a couple of times with suspected hand, foot and mouth. But on both occasions, it was nothing. But it was fantastic that the centre was so precautionary. She did, unfortunately, on one occasion fall over and split her eye on a bookcase. She was actually very lucky that it wasn't a few millimetres to the left. It probably would have taken her eye out, but she now she's got a really cool little scar coming off her eyebrow. With a quick trip to the doctor and some super glue, she was back up and running in no time. Generally speaking, she's an absolute legend of a kid. She's a fantastic eater. She's a lengthy sleeper. She's funny as all hell, and she'll make you laugh when you're feeling down. And she's a bubbly little girl. She's actually really intuitive. She knows that when we're feeling down, she'll do something to cheer us up. And she knows when mummy's a bit sad, she'll come over and give her a cuddle. I'm absolutely looking forward to see her develop. And I can't wait to see who she grows up into. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode. And as always, please seek professional advice and help if you feel that you need it. This podcast is certainly not your answer. It's just a means of helping out a little bit on your journey. If you like these episodes, please subscribe to Dads of the NICU wherever you get your podcasts and please feel free to leave me a review. Please also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dads of the NICU. Thanks for listening and don't forget to wash your hands.